Welcome back to another episode of Ew, That's Creepy. This week, Jackie is going to be finishing up the crazy story of Roland Petra. Although this episode will have some funny moments like last episode, please be aware that part two contains discussions of graphic violence and murder. Listener discretion is advised. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. We are back with another episode of Ooh, That's Creepy. And today I'm going to continue on with my crazy story about Roland Petra Jr. and his crazy antics of wreaking havoc. I can't wait for you to finish this story. Not that I can't wait to hear more horrible things that Roland does, but I was just not expecting the last episode to go the way that it did. So I'm like, where is this half going to go? For his savagery. Well, I actually want to start this episode (laughs) off playing this. I was in the car the other day and it was right after I had told Melissa the story and this song came on that I really, really love. But I was already thinking about the story. And if you listen to this part and you think that the girl is saying Roland. Just imagine her saying Roland in this part of the song. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Oh my gosh. That is so funny. So her singing Roland is going to lead us right into this episode. Okay. That did make me, oh my God, it sounds exactly Doesn't like it? she's saying Roland. And I was literally thinking of the episode and I was just like, what? <laughs> oh my God. So where I left off last time was that Cheryl had worked her night at the little store PJs. She... Went home, she was supposed to work the next morning at PJ's, and she never showed up. And then on Monday, she was supposed to work at the car place that she works at, and she didn't show up at the car place on Monday either. Roland's wife, correct? Yeah, Cheryl. But remember, at this point, Roland has moved in with his girlfriend named Della. Yeah, but he was still friends with Cheryl, and they were apparently... Yep. Yep. So, Roland said that the last time he talked to Cheryl was on the phone on Saturday night... When she was working at PJ's, he was asking her about the kids, you know, making small talk and all that stuff. And he said on Sunday morning, he got up to get the paper, put gas in his car. That he, I guess he does that every Sunday. And he called Cheryl that night and she didn't answer. And he said he was a little worried and it was not like her that she didn't answer. So... Police did search his and Della's cars because, I mean, it's Roland and uh, he's sketch, so... Roland, 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 Roland. That's the police when they saw that someone else, like, that knew Roland was missing. Literally, once Cheryl was missing, that was the police. Just like, they know. Play the theme song. Yeah. So, they did search his car and Della's. They didn't really find a whole lot. They found, like, I think there were a couple blood stains on Della's car. Not, like, a whole lot. Just, you know, 
like red drips, but it wasn't like super suspicious. That's suspicious to me. Uh, I think it wasn't anything crazy, so I don't know. But they searched the home that they shared together and didn't find a whole lot there either. But they did see that Roland had a pair of glasses and there was a tiny, tiny speck of blood on the pair of glasses. One of the detectives pointed this out and Roland literally almost collapsed. (laughs) Like they said, he literally almost fell. He was so shook by them pointing out this speck of blood on his glasses. What is up with him just being catatonic when he is like presented with something by the police? Oh, we have turns into this like he's like a a shell all of a sudden. A shell of a man. He just becomes like stuck in the headlights and can't move. I don't know. But yeah, he doesn't go catatonic at this point, but he almost collapses. And they're like, you know, give us the pair of glasses. And his hands are literally <laughs> shaking when he's handing over the glasses, like something out of a movie. Jeez. But the little speck on the glasses, it was so small that they couldn't get any DNA from it. So, damn it. Maybe if he didn't have that crazy-ass reaction, they wouldn't have thought anything of it either. <laughs> right. Police figured that Cheryl had never made it home and because they went to her apartment, or um, not her apartment, the home that she was staying in, and everything in her place was, like, fine. It didn't look anything was amiss or anything like that. So they just assumed that uh, Cheryl had never made it home that night after working her shift at PJ's and that she had probably been followed and somehow somebody got her to stop her car and pull over, and then that person abducted Cheryl in her own vehicle by force. Okay, and they haven't found her vehicle yet, right? No. Okay. So, police interviewed Della as well. She says that she got up at 5 at Saturday morning. She had to study for a test because she's still in nursing school. And Roland got up a little bit after her and said that he was going to go take some photographs, like photography photographs of the sunrise. But the weather wasn't very good. It stormed that morning, and Roland had gotten back around 10 and said that he had some car troubles that took him a little while. He was murdering someone. (laughs) And then he took um, Della's kids and Bebe, Bebe, whatever the pronunciation of her name is. Bebe. (laughs) They took, Roland took the kids uh, to the roller skating place, and they were all home by four. Della said none of them went out that night. They all watched TV and all stayed in. And she went to bed around in between like 9 and 10 because obviously she's had a long day. And Roland stayed up to play Monopoly with the kids. It was around 1130 when Cheryl was supposed to be leaving work. And Della remembers it was around 1130 that Roland came up to bed. And after a few minutes, he was like, I think he, like, got into bed and then said something he wasn't tired or whatever. So he went back downstairs to watch TV a little more with the kids. So he could have snuck out. He could have. When he finally came to bed, Della was kind of dozing off, like, half asleep type. And she says she does remember turning over, you know, awakened from him walking into the room. And it was 1230, and the two made love. Which I don't understand what? how that happens if you're, like, half asleep, but whatever. 
I'm like, I never understand that either. I feel like that is totally something people, I mean, I don't know, actually, maybe there's a lot of people out there who are like, yeah, I do that all the time. But for me, it it's like, it can't be like that. I feel like my breath would smell. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but that happened. Okay. And so Della said she woke up on Sunday around five again, early waker. Roland was still asleep beside her. How are you waking up at 5 after love making at 12.30? I have no idea. Like, you got literally maybe four hours of sleep. Greg, Cheryl's boss, basically, recalled that Cheryl was supposed to work at the car place Monday morning. And when she didn't show up, it was kind of sad because immediately people thought that Roland had something to do with it. Aww. Like, people at the car place because they just knew he was sus. Mm. On Wednesday morning of the week that Cheryl went missing, some men were near Lake Union, and they found a woman's purse with a wallet and papers floating in shallow water, and it had Cheryl's name on it. Oh, no. Eventually, after looking around the general area of Kitsap County near Lake Union, police found a silver topaz, which is the kind of car Cheryl drives, It had a Bay 4 logo in the window, so they clearly knew it was Cheryl's. Somebody, they they towed the car, and, like, whoever towed Cheryl's car called the police and actually said that that same day they had towed another car that was left very close to Cheryl's if police wanted to check it out. So they did. It was a van, and the inside was dirty as hell. They said it looked like someone probably was living in it. Ew. But the car wasn't registered at all, like, it was not ever owned by anybody or a dealer, so kind of weird. How does that happen? I have no idea. Okay, someone built it in their garage. <laughs> Somebody manufactured the car themselves. By hand. Police could see that inside of Cheryl's car there were some blood stains near the driver's side door and blood smears. The rest of the car was decently clean with a car seat and like normal mom type stuff. But police didn't see a body or anything in the back seat of the car. So they decided to check the trunk as well. So they opened the trunk by force. And inside, sadly, they found Cheryl's body. Police said they were pretty surprised because they didn't smell like decomp or anything like that. So they really weren't expecting to see a body or anything in the trunk. Her body was wedged in the trunk with her face covered in books and magazines, and her she was on her back with her head towards the passenger seat. How could someone do that to poor Cheryl? I don't know. She had on blue jeans, an aqua t-shirt. Her jeans pocket had blood on it, and the book covering her face was called They're All Dead, Aren't They? Which was sadly a book that Cheryl had actually written really enjoyed and it helped her during some dark times in her life so it was a favorite of hers oh so did i think someone did that like on purpose because it was her favorite or just because it was in her car i think probably because it was just in the trunk but it's still kind of ironic Tragic. either way i hate roland clearly had something to do with this <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so cheryl had um severe face injuries that made it clear that she had been repeatedly beat in the face with something and possibly the lid of the trunk. There was oh blood. Oh, my God. Yeah. There was blood. I should have said graphic warning for this episode. Sorry. Yeah, what the hell, Jackie? Last episode was like the judo boys. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was bad, but this episode is like. Yeah, yeah, sorry. This one is bad. 
<sighs> there was blood, sp- and it gets worse, so I'm sorry. Thanks. There was blood spatter on the lid of the trunk and blood tissue and teeth around Cheryl's body in the trunk. The coroner found that her hands were bound behind her and her shoes were removed. Roland talked to the police a week later and stated that he talked to Cheryl on the phone Saturday night, as he said before. He said he woke up early Sunday morning, put gas in the car, and then he came back home for a bit and went to the Seahawks game, which was like all day with Della and her family. He said, yeah, he was worried that Cheryl didn't answer his phone call Sunday night. And when police informed him that Cheryl was found dead, he seemed sad and he was eager to offer the police help and anything that they needed. So the autopsy of Cheryl revealed that she had died from being struck in the face and she could have been strangled, but her hyoid bone was not broken, so probably not. They said that she probably fought back because she had many leg bruises And in the car, in Cheryl's car, police recovered a piece of rope and some other small little things that they bagged up for DNA. Police did notice that the taillight wire was disconnected from the taillight, and they assumed that Cheryl probably tried to disconnect the taillight in hopes that they would get pulled over for a burnt-out taillight, which is so sad. This story is breaking my heart. It's like last time it was like... Not funny, but, like, shit. I wasn't expecting it to be like this. Yeah, this part's really rough. But I will say there's some parts of the story that are a little comical to come. So It's just sad because, like, Roland is obviously a piece of shit and doing his own thing. But, like, Cheryl had nothing to actually do with that when he was being that way. So, like, that's what makes me sad because it seems like as much as she loved Roland, she still was trying to get away from him when he was doing all his craziness. Yeah, and there's no need for Cheryl's murder to have been this brutal. Absolutely no need. There was no need for Cheryl to even die. Roland and her separated. Seriously, what... I mean, maybe it wasn't him. Maybe I'm judging too soon, but I'm clearly thinking he had something to do with it, so I'll let you continue. Well, he does have a rock-solid alibi, I will say that. Shit. There were six teeth... um, Six of... Six of Cheryl's teeth that were not found that police thought probably had fallen out, like... in Were probably, like, somewhere in the dirt on the road, not, like taken or anything creepy like that yeah police also believe that she was probably beat with a tired iron and then placed on the trunk and maybe also beat with the trunk lid cheryl had her funeral and roland attended he was seen there to be very very upset crying real tears you know not crocodile tears However, afterwards, he did obviously try to claim Cheryl's life insurance policy and her social security benefits. Mm. Police talked to Roland's parole board, who said that Roland did have a lot of friends in prison, and he often went back and visited people. He had about six friends who were still in prison who he would go back and visit. Investigators had a lot of physical evidence, but none of it tied Roland to the scene, or they didn't find any of his DNA. They didn't really find anything that could place anybody there so the case kind of became cold even though police were like obviously still investigating it it just kind of trailed off yeah because it's so brutal it seems like it it doesn't seem random so it seemed like it has to be roland but he has this alibi so it's like okay how can it be roland yeah and even if i mean 
Della did doze off for like I'd say an hour and a half, but it is kind of like how that's pretty tight frame for yeah. somebody to do all of that in an and hour and a half. He would have had blood all over him from doing something so brutal. If he did that in an hour and a half, it was like, you're coming back and immediately going back in bed. You're not showering up or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So police trace any calls made to Cheryl, Roland or Della around the time of the murder. Oh. Keep in mind though that this is the eighties. So it's like, they're looking at it in a, in a different way than we would today, but they find that two collect calls were placed from the jail to Roland on one on October 15th, which was 15 minutes long at 1023 PM and one on October 18th at 752 PM. That was seven minutes long. Okay. So that's right around the time of Cheryl's murder. That's so weird that he's calling the jail. The, like, no, the jail was calling him. Oh. It was from like, the jail to Roland. Oh, okay. But, yeah, also keep in mind he has, like, six friends still in jail. He has the jail boys now. <laughs> yeah. said bye to the judo boys. No longer has the judo boys. It's the jail boys now. <laughs> Della and Roland ended up getting married in December. He what? officially became the stepfather to Della's two children and vice versa. Della, the stepmother of Bebe and Andre. Della's son was 14. In the book, they call him Tim, but I don't think that's his real name. So, But I'm still just going to call him Tim, obviously, because I can't find his real name. Okay. He was, yeah, 14, so a rough age. And him and Roland obviously clashed heads. Yeah, he's like, hey, I know that you uh, actually were wrapped up in two different murders now. Nice to meet you. You're also my stepfather. <laughs> yeah. On February 13th, 1989, so a bit after Cheryl's murder, which happened in October, something strange kind of happened. Okay. A reporter for the local paper got a call from somebody who asked for him by name, saying that they had killed Cheryl because she said that the person... Whoever was calling, Cheryl had said that they were too young for her. They what? said that Yeah, I don't even know. They said that the caller did sound like they were in their teens or early 20s, and they had a really soft voice, and they knew intimate details about the crime. Wait, they said Cheryl was too young for them, or they were Cheryl, too young for Cheryl? Yeah, rejected them because okay. they were too young for her. Police, after they kind of, like, got this tip, had one lead that kind of fit that scenario. It was a kid who knew Cheryl, who people said was kind of an awkward teen, and they said, like, he seemed the type who wanted a girlfriend but didn't really know how to get one, and Cheryl had helped him in the past fix up a resume, but, and she had, like, given him a ride once before when his car broke down, but she never mentioned anything to anybody about him, like, making advances to her or anything like that. Yeah. This boy's name was Albie Broxweller. Love it. Sounds like a rapper. <laughs> yeah, when they checked, he was a, a lot boy. I don't really know what that means. I think, like, parking lot. He, Bring in the lot boys. Probably. <laughs> the jail boys, the judo boys, the lot, lot boys. boys. <laughs> lot boys on deck. <laughs> they checked his lot boy schedule and his work. He had actually worked for the last time the that Friday that Cheryl went missing and quit his job on Monday. <gasps> Lot boy clocked out. He was seen also with a bandage on his hand in the following days. His father was contacted and said that Albie moved out recently, and he hadn't seen him in a while, but he said that Albie had hurt his hand fishing. That's what the bandage was for. 
Albie was eventually contacted. He did act pretty sketchy. He said that he had a hard day that Friday and got into a car accident, and that's why he quit his job. And he said that Saturday he was with his friends until nighttime and then went home and hung out with his brother for a bit. And then on Sunday, he said he went fishing with his brother, and that was where he hurt his hand. Okay. Sounding a little suspicious, but okay. Well, when his they did interview his brother and friend, and they both completely backed up the story. Oh, okay. Yeah, and he did act pretty sketch, and, like, when they kept asking him, eventually Albie specifically said, I didn't kill that bitch. <gasps> oh. Yeah. Why do people say these things when you're, like, with the police? You don't want to get in trouble for it, but you're going to refer to her as a bitch. Okay. I have no idea. But after some investigating and after people did confirm his stories, the police concluded that Albie was innocent, and even though he might be weird and a little rude, he didn't have anything to do with it. Okay. And there was no way for them to trace who placed the call because it's in the 80s? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. And, like, in the jail. So, like, who who would have done it? I mean, and who placed the call with, like, the voice to that reporter? Oh, no. They don't know that. Damn it. (laughs) So, things weren't going so great for Della and Roland. Oh, I'm so surprised. Yeah, he later tried to become a registered nurse, which he had went to school for. Didn't he he do this with Cheryl? No, like, he, he is still in nursing school during his relationship with Della. Oh my god. So once he gets out of nursing school, he tries to like actually be a registered nurse, which you have to apply. He was denied because of his record, because of the murder conviction, so he can't become a registered nurse, which somehow he just thought that that would never come up and everything would be fine. Roland. So he was denied being a, a registered nurse, and Della became the main source of income because obviously she did become a registered nurse. Roland and the stepson Tim also began to fight a lot more since Roland was left to be, basically be a stay at home dad and take care of the kids. Awkward as hell. Yeah, and he was always around the stepson who they just butted heads, so things weren't going great. Bebe began to feel weird about her dad. She just, like, started just having not good feelings. She was getting older, and as she got older, she remembered the night uh, Cheryl's disappearance. And while Roland stressed to the police that he stayed up late that night to watch a wrestling match with Bebe and the stepson... She recalls now that she was old enough that she didn't stay up that night and watch wrestling. She said that she remembers that she was actually really tired and went to bed early, like right around the time that Della did. Okay. She also recalled times when she was younger and Cheryl was still alive. And she remembers one specific time that she heard her mother Cheryl yelling at night. And when she peeked her head out, she saw her and Roland fighting, and Roland had Cheryl's arm, like, held pretty tight. And Bebe said that the next morning, she remembers seeing Cheryl's arms that had bruises on them really bad. Well, that's so, so sad she, as a child to have to witness that. I know, but she has some good intuition, because she's only about, like, 13 at the time, and she's really developing a strong sense that her dad is not who he seems. A freak. <laughs> like Harry Potter. <laughs> <Aunt Patricia. laughs> 
she's Literally. so dramatic. She is. Petunia. <laughs> so, Della and Roland are also teetering on the edge of divorce. Della should have known better when his previous wife, or I'm sorry, the his side piece's husband died and then his wife died. What did she think was going to come from their relationship? Well, listen. So they're teetering on the edge of divorce. Oh, God. Baby, yeah, is about 13. And she one day sees, her dad has this friend. His name is Bud. He comes to the house often. One time she sees the I don't know if this was when she's 13 or younger, but at some point, Bebe sees Bud come to the house, and she looks out her window, and she sees Roland and Bud putting a giant safe in the back of Bud's car, and later that day, Della called police reporting that her safe that contained all of her valuable items and very expensive jewelry was stolen from her house. And she suspected that her husband, Roland, did it because they were on the brink of divorce. How is your own husband? Oh, my God. Jerry, Jerry. Listen to this. A short time after her safe is taken, Roland shows up to the hospital for what he calls slashing cuts. And he says that he got into an altercation with a group of men who said that they stole Della's safe for drug money. And somehow <laughs> Roland was able to wrestle free from these men a bag of jewelry, which contained some of Della's expensive jewelry from the safe. Oh my god. God, why you would have such a better chance at just trying to pawn all the shit. He's like, I remember when I taught all those judo classes, <laughs> I used those moves to yeah. get the jewelry back. Duh. Yeah, and he says they basically kicked his ass, but somehow he still got a, just got a bag of jewelry <laughs> off one of them. And why they just approach her and they're like, slash, slash, here's all of her jewelry. We stole it, by the way. Slash, slash. I like, have... what, were, what was their intention? Well, it was actually the only pieces of jewelry they had were like the most inexpensive, like the lowest on the totem pole of Della's jewelry. They're like, you so. want these clay? earrings back bitch yeah. <laughs> Roland must not have cared too much about that much he was willing to give it up to somehow make himself what he thought would look good that is the worst story I've ever heard yeah Roland also shortly after this event claimed that he suffered from a stroke that left him having lingering seizures that only seemed to happen when he was at the social security office filing for benefits <laughs> <laughs> for disability <laughs> like i cannot make this up like he literally said that he suffered from a stroke and now had seizures but the only time ever anyone ever saw him suffering from a seizure was when he was filing for disability in the social security office oh my god somehow he only had seizures yeah when he was in the actual office soon he's gonna get cancer again and he's going oh to be god. terminal again right Jeez. I'm expecting. I'm half expecting him to be in a wheelchair, and then like you know to do the old. I'm just like in a wheelchair, can't walk, and <laughs> yeah. stand up as soon as the police turn around. Ugh. Roland um picked up a new hobby too, which was going to church. Uh. It's 1993. Roland had moved out, and Della had been watching his kids as her own because she was actually scared of him at this point. So she basically took Roland's kids and was like, "You're not getting them back." Yeah. And good for Della, honestly. 
I don't blame her. She's like, you've suddenly developed schizophrenia or seizures. Because <laughs> he's schizophrenia. It might be. And Roland also began having an affair with a married woman at the church. How do you meet at church and you both have an affair? Okay. I don't know. Okay. Just so, when you think the story can't get, like, wilder. Oh, well, girl. Just if you... Here, we're going to get into more wild stuff. On March 21st... Bleh, March... 21st, 1993, police received a very frantic, hysterical phone call from none other than Tim, Della's stepson. Oh, gosh. Tim was frantic and said that a robbery had just occurred at his house and he needed the police to come immediately. And when they did, he had a very odd story to tell them. He said that somebody had called him that day when he was home alone. It was a bit earlier, and it was from a woman who was flirting with him on the phone, basically. Isn't he, like, 14? Yeah, he is. But he he thought that it was a girl from his high school because the person on the phone, the girl, woman, person on the phone, said that Tim should go meet her at the pancake house, which was up the road from Tim. So he assumed that it was, like, some girl he went to high school with who knew that you know, knew where he lived and was being flirty and stuff. Oh. So Tim said, yeah, and he walked up to the pancake house, and he was, like, looking around, waiting. He didn't see any girls he knew, so he just waited for a little bit to see if anyone was going to show up, and nobody did, so he went back home. And when he re-entered his house, he just had a really weird feeling when he closed the door behind him. And a really awful feeling that he wasn't alone. Ew, oh my god. And he actually heard a noise upstairs that sounded like the noise of somebody brushing up against blinds. <gasps> Ew, oh, that actually just made my heart sing. This whole, st- this whole part is horrific. Oh, I have anxiety already. So... Della was working, and his siblings, Bebe and Andre, were supposed to be with Roland. So Tim believed he should have been home alone. Right, so he's on a fucking screen movie now. He went to turn on the stairway light, and it was out for some reason. So he went okay. upstairs to his bedroom and went to turn on the light, and it was also burnt out. All of a sudden, a man in a ski mask burst through and shoved a rifle in his mouth. Tim said that he could actually tell from the streetlights that the person holding the gun was a woman. What? And when Tim began to scream for help, an actual man appeared, and they both began to tell Tim to shut up, and he recognized that the woman's voice was the caller on the phone. What the hell? Yeah, so... Wherever Della had been living at this time with her children and had, like, I don't know if it was an actual apartment building or, like, a house divided into sections, but there were neighbors and people living above Tim. So he began frantically screaming for help and just freaking out so bad that a neighbor, like, yelled up and I think said, like, we're calling police or something. (sighs) And... The two intruders ran out of the house, and Tim was frantic and shook and called 911. So, were they trying to, like, kidnap him? Because if they were trying to kill him, they I feel like they would have just done that. Yeah, I'm assuming kidnap him. But... Oh, my gosh. Tim 
was really freaked out, but he had a bad relationship with Roland. So he, like, said, I don't trust Roland. Like, it could be him. So police go to interview Roland, and he says that during this time, he suffered from a blackout spell, which was caused by his stroke, and he couldn't remember what he was doing. How convenient. He's like, I was at the Social Security office, I think, and then I blacked out. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) After I got my check, though. (laughs) Yeah. One thing that was suspicious that was found at Della's was two duffel bags, and it was weird because Bebe recognized them as hers, that they were her bags, but she said the last time she saw them was earlier that day, and they were in Roland's car. (sighs) He's going to try and implicate Bebe like a 13-year-old held up (laughs) Tim, right? In the bags, there were flashcards that were basically supposed to be, like, talking points from Tim, talking to Della, saying that he needed Roland's help and that he poisoned Roland. They were like cue cards instructing Tim to say this. What? In the bag was also some of Della's missing jewelry from the safe. Oh, my God. And Bebe was able to identify the writing on the cue cards as Roland's. He is so brazen and so idiotic at this point. He's not even, like, trying that hard. He He doesn't even care at this point. He literally does not care. So, the woman that Roland from the church who uh, he was having an affair with, she's called Beth in the book. Again, I don't think that's her real name, and honestly, I wouldn't want my real name to be in this story either. She, uh, shortly after this, comes to the police and says that she knows stuff about Tim's attempted robbery. And she said that Tim was actually the mastermind behind the plan, and Tim had approached her to help him set up a plan to make Roland look really bad so that his mom wouldn't get back together with Roland. A 14-year-old was this mastermind. Meanwhile, his mom has been done with Roland on her own accord for, like, some time now. Yeah, and police said that her story was so trash and so clearly fake that they pressed her and were just like, if you don't tell us the truth, we're just going to arrest you. <laughs> like, they just knew it was not like, true at all. You came in here with that weak-ass story. Yeah. Who do you think we are? <laughs> Literally, they were disgusted. So, yeah, and she was like, no, that's the truth. So they <laughs> literally arrested her. They arrested her for first-degree burglary, conspiracy, attempted kidnapping, and conspiracy to commit murder. Which I don't know where that came from, but they just brought out the big guns and, like, charged her with everything. This police force has, like, big dick energy on this one. Yeah, they were so over all of this at this point. They had enough. They were like, okay. I'm glad, though, because someone needs to pull the trigger and stop playing these little games with Roland. Like, he's been doing this shit for years and getting away with it. Yeah, and that actually had the exact effect that they wanted because Beth came back and admitted that she, yeah, she was like, what I said was false, and I'm going to give you guys the real story. She says that she was in a bind for money because her marriage was, like, teetering on divorce since she was having an affair with Roland. (laughs) And she said that Roland approached her and said that the two would kidnap Tim and hold him for ransom for $250,000. And that Roland's friend, Bud, who stole the safe, was also going to help them in this plan. And that they were going to lock Tim in Beth's basement. 
But Bud had gotten sent back to jail, so he couldn't do this, and he wasn't available for the kidnapping. But meanwhile, Roland had built a little kidnap room in Beth's basement. I literally built this dark room with a chair that they would tie Tim to, and they would tie him up and tape him to the chair and leave him in this dark, pitch black room that was like the size that barely someone could even fit into. What is wrong with these people? Like, how do you let a man convince you of this? I would literally see that and be like, this is not psycho shit. And Roland had even worked out like the tiniest details to have baby babysit Beth's kids and Bud's girlfriend to watch Andre to back up his alibi. He's almost trying to implicate Bebe at this point, using her bags, using her as part of his, like, plan. He's psycho. He was actually, Roland was arrested for stealing the safe and stuff with that because they had found so many bits and pieces of the jewelry it's so that it's so obvious that he did it. I'm surprised he didn't get arrested at the start with that horrible trash story. I know. And Roland blamed everything with Tim on Beth and said that it was all her idea. And he said that he went along with it and was going to be the driver. And that Beth had committed the robbery with some random stranger that he didn't know. Okay. Yeah. So Bud was charged with taking the safe with Roland because they're just, they're done with the safe. They're making (laughs) charges at this point. They're arresting people. And so... It's during this time that Della is really thinking back, basically, like, rethinking her whole relationship with Roland. And she truly is wondering about the night of Cheryl's death. And now she really does think that Roland could have left in the hour that she dozed off and went out and done something. Oh, but before, you were like, we were making love. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Police investigated Beth's house, and they did find in the basement a coffin, literally, they say a coffin-sized room that would entrap Tim for the whole scheme. Ew, that's creepy as hell. Not even, like, a like the box from you. Like- yeah. And Roland, when he was in prison, said that he had only ever meant to scare Tim and never to hurt him, but he did admit that he stole the safe. Finally. However, when he's in jail during this time, he eventually develops another mental issue where he claims that he is now his brother, Wade, who died <laughs> when he was a baby. And Rol- Roland had actually been using his dead brother's social security money f- or like social security number for money. Stop. Oh my God. Yeah, like one time he just the police. Wakes up one day, he's like, I am Wade. No, now. literally, <laughs> that's exactly what happened. And so the police one day just like, we're going to go talk to him like routine. And he was like, who is Roland? I'm Wade. <laughs> and they were just like, they said they literally just stared at him and were just like, okay. Oh my and so God. A psychologist examines Roland and says that he never suffered from a stroke or any disability and that he's completely fine. <laughs> He's like, I had a spiritual awakening last night. I am weighed now. Yeah, and the psychologist was just like, absolutely not. You are Roland. Yeah, and she was like, I don't think you ever even had a stroke. Oh, my gosh. Roland actually takes an Alfred plea for most of the charges with the safe, the robbery, the kidnapping of Tim, which, if you don't know, an Alfred plea means that you admit that there's enough evidence to convict you, but you don't admit that you had anything to do with it. So he takes that. He's sentenced to 25 years for all those charges. 
I am honestly so surprised he didn't go with, like, that thing. I really thought he was going to stick with it and be like, I'm Wade, and Roland committed those crimes, but I'm Wade now, so I don't know. I thought for sure he was going to try and plead insanity. I really think, at this point, Roland is either too old or has just had... Maybe he's too smart to just realize that he doesn't... He can't lie anymore, because... He he's probably giving up stuff at this point. I don't think he even cares about maintaining his innocence because after all this, police go back to Cheryl's case now. How old is he now that he got sentenced? Honestly, I'm not sure. Okay. But they still had a lot of evidence from Cheryl's case, including the rope that bound her arms and the tape and stuff. And they decided to check the tape again for DNA. Because I don't know if they had the first time or if they had got DNA and it couldn't be tested. I don't know. Regardless, they look again for DNA. And they actually find DNA and they get a hit of someone who is in jail. It is a name of a guy named Fred McKee. He had known Roland while incarcerated for Dennis's murder and the two had been friends. And Fred actually admitted to police everything. He took no... Like, they didn't really even have to try. He just admitted everything. And he said that Roland offered him about $5,000 to $10,000 in cash to kill Cheryl. I thought he was in jail at the time. He's in jail now. He was in jail. Well, he was in jail when Roland was in jail. And I think he was in jail now, but not in the time that Cheryl was killed. Oh, my gosh. So he admits to being involved and he admits to all that. And so police go back and confront Roland, and he actually, for once, admits that he had planned to have Cheryl scared by McKee. He said that he was planning on having Fred, I guess, like, abduct Cheryl, and that he would run in and save her while Cheryl was attacking her. But that night, he had one of his blackout spells and forgot to come to Cheryl's rescue. Even if that were true, even if all that stupid shit were true, what was the point of that? For what? Because you weren't with Cheryl. Like, you know, what would have been the point of that? You were with someone else and she was done with you. So why? I have. Did he give a reason? Honestly, I don't think so. Oh, my God. But in my belief, I think it was just for the money. I mean, he had Cheryl's. Remember he had... Cheryl signed the life insurance thing. No, he definitely killed her for the money. But I'm saying, like, even if that stupid alibi were true and you did have a blackout, what would have been the point of saving her? Literally. Even if that was true, what was was the point point? of scaring her? Scaring her for what, Roland? Like, even your alibi doesn't make sense. Yeah. But let's just finish real quick. So (laughs) a witness came forward and said that Fred had told this witness that he had abducted Cheryl strangled her until she was unconscious, and then beat her to death with a tire iron, which was exactly what police believed. Horrible, disgusting, fool, piece of shit. Roland takes another Alfred plea on Cheryl's murder and is sentenced to 40 more years, so he's probably never getting out, because he's at least 40 or 50 at this time. He was sentenced to 25 for stealing Della's (laughs) shave... Stealing Della's safe and the assumption kidnapping. Her safe, her son. Literally. Her life. And now he's sentenced to 40 more for Cheryl's murder. Fred eventually pleads guilty and is also sentenced to 20 years. Oh, my And that brings to conclusion the crazy story 
of Roland. Thank and, God that they did get, like, justice for Cheryl, though, because that only happened in, like, early 2000s that they solved Cheryl's case. So it had been a while. How do you kill someone you don't even know that brutally? How? Like, for the, for five to $10,000, you're going to beat her until her teeth come out? And Roland was never implicated in the murder of um, What's-Her-Face's husband from episode one, right? Like, he took he took that deal, but, like, nothing else ever came from that. They, they could never actually prove that. No. Damn. No, that case, I wonder what happened with that one. Yeah, I really do. And in my honest opinion, I do think Roland and Maria work together. Because oh, I yeah. just, like, come on now. I just think. But I don't know if I said this in the first episode, but Maria never tried to collect any of Dennis's insurance anything with dennis's money after dennis died maria straight up just said dennis's family can have it like she was just done she probably was shook i mean obviously almost getting sentenced to prison she probably realized the money wasn't even worth it but yeah she never tried to collect that money she probably too was scared of roland at that point because even though she didn't want him he clearly was capable of so much like yeah he would have it's horrible like he's one of those people who needed to get sentenced because he was just going to keep killing and doing some crazy wild shit yeah kidnapping seriously he will always be obsessed with money like that's clearly what he needs so i don't think he'll ever stop trying to get money from people that was such a wild episode. I That's one of my favorite stories we've done so far. If not, these two episodes might have been my favorite. I like them too. I can't believe this story. And it's like I looked so much online to find the real names of like Della <laughs> just because I wanted to find them. I could not find any info on the story. Like, thank you, Anne Rule. I love you in general. You're an idol of mine. But also, thank you for this amazing story because it was so in detail. Like, it's when like I. A year's worth of research. Oh, when I kid you do. not, I could have told at least a full another hour of just the little details of everything of this story. Like, other suspects they had for Cheryl's murder that they didn't look at. Like, there was a lot more to the story, but. For, to be short and to not give away all of Anne Roll's hard work, I just honestly right. touched upon the major parts. I'm glad you did because, like, that was a lot. And it wasn't confusing, but there were so many players involved. It would have been, like, if there were more suspects for Cheryl, yeah. my mind would have been spinning. It's still spinning trying to think of all the different crazy stuff just Roland did. Right? But obviously, if you enjoy this story, go get your hands on that Anne Rule book. It's called Worth More Than Dead. There's three other mini worth stories. Worth More Dead. Sorry. You always say Worth More Than Dead. Ah, worth More Dead. <laughs> There's three other mini stories after the long one about Roland. There's pictures of all the characters involved. Direct quotes from Bebe and other people involved. Like, really go read that. It's good. Thank you, Anne Rule. Thank you, girl. We love you. And thanks, Jack. That was such a good story. No problem, girl. I'm glad you liked it, and I hope everybody listening enjoyed it. Thank you guys for listening. Tell us what you think about this and if you saw this coming and uh, if you read the book. Yeah, let us know your thoughts. And we love you, and we hope you guys are all doing well. And we will see you guys again soon for another episode. Yep. If you're going back to school, have a great first couple of weeks. We love you guys. Wishing you all the spookiness in your first couple weeks and moving into September. Whoop, whoop. Whoop. We love you. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Want to creep on us? Follow us on social media at ew, that's creepy podcast, or send us an email at ew, that's creepy podcast 
at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, creepy cats.